Hello and welcome back to New Paradigm Healing. This series focuses on ayahuasca-assisted therapy. Our intention is to educate, inform, and support the conscious and responsible use of ayahuasca in the Western context. If you want to know more about ayahuasca-assisted therapy and our upcoming trainings and workshops, sign up for our mailing list to be the first one to know about the latest news at avatarhealingarts.com. So hello and welcome back. My name is Nina Itzel. This is Ayahuasca-Assisted Therapy Podcast, and I'm super excited today to have with me Fessel. And uh, he is, yeah, he's a very interesting person. And we met through Clubhouse. We were in the same rooms, you know, in the psychedelic space. And uh, we really vibed with each other. And, you know, the, just the, our principles, you know, especially around the medicine. So that's why we are here to get to know each other a little bit better and to share about all the amazing things that he does in Costa Rica and also in Canada right now. So welcome, Fessel. So nice to have you here <laughs> and Thank you. yeah just starting with you know just tell us <clears throat> a little bit about yourself and you know where are you from and and how did you end up where you are now and especially you know your path with the medicine how did you come across you know with the medicine and how did it influence your your path and your life right and and where are you right now well, thank you very much. First of all, Nina, I want to thank you for bringing me to your audience, to your platform and creating this podcast where people can learn all the good things about plant medicine and life and integration and all the good stuff. So thank you for doing that. So about myself, my name is Faisal Khatak. I was born in Pakistan. And when I was 18, I left Pakistan. I moved to the land of free, America, <laughs> and I was there for six years. And from there, that's where I met my wife and uh, we got married. We moved to Canada in 1999. It's been a long time. Yeah. And uh, recently, about three years ago, we had this awesome opportunity to build a wellness center known as Rouhani Wellness Center in Costa Rica near the city of Tamarindo. And you asked about my journey. So let's start from there first. How did I get involved in plant medicine of all the things, you know, how, <laughs> and that's a question everybody asks um, whoever is on this path. So it's always intriguing to learn the stories and the background and the reason. And working with, the, with my own clients for, for a few years now, what I have found is most of us, we turn to plant medicine because there was something happening in our lives at some stage where it was too much. It was just like a pressure cooker where there was too much trauma, chaos, uh, unknown, no purpose, all those things, uh, midlife crisis, hormones and all that kind of stuff. And that's the main reason behind it. But the main reason of all these reasons is usually a pain a longing to you know find the happiness longing to fix the problem within and for me it was about 10 years ago uh, by then i was married to my wife for let's see if i can do the math about 10 years ago that would be 16 years so mm -hmm. we were married for 16 years 
And when our honeymoon period, you know, vanished, uh, there were a lot of arguments and all different things because we were from different countries, we were from different religions, and there was a lot of stuff going on from my family, from her family, her own insecurities, my own insecurities, my own inner child wounds and traumas and whatnot. So all these things were playing into our relationship. There were lots of fights, arguments, and of course, we had everything by then. We both were hardworking. We had the the house, the cars, you know, you name it, the money, everything was there. But the only thing missing was happiness and love in between, which started to dwindle and started to vanish slowly and slowly. And luckily, one day, one of our friends, uh, they told us, hey, why don't you go to this three-day seminar about uh, self-empowerment? We're like, okay, nothing to lose. We'll go there. We go there, and then everything changed. We met our one of our best mentors there. We started finding out <clears throat> what was the underlying cost or, or reason of our all the problems, all the psychological problems. It was within us, within each other. It was our own shortfalls or shortcomings and traumas and sufferings and wounds, which we were hiding inside each one of us. And from there, we started working with our mentor in different programs, uh, life mastery, money mastery, couples uh, counseling, and all the different things we could get our hands on. We, we just went in there. That was very, a big eye-opener on a psychological side. So we started finding our own inner child, our own inner wounds, and we started working with them. Uh, but again, on a psychological level, there was still something missing deep down inside. And one day, you know, since I've been a kid, I've been into metaphysics and Sufism and all the esoteric stuff. So one day I'm sitting on the computer and I'm like, hmm, I would love to learn how to do telepathy. So I call one of my friends in Canada here and she's into uh, you know this kind of community. And I said, hey, sister, do you know someone who could teach me telepathy? Is there a workshop happening? And she's like, I don't know a person like that, but have you ever done ayahuasca? I'm like, what is that? I have never heard. I don't even know how to spell it. So she's <laughs> me the word <laughs> and there I go I google it and and I got into the rabbit hole rabbit holes and started learning and I'm like wow this is it this is what I want to do this is it I think this can fix my problems and everything else around me and that's how I started on the path of ayahuasca but again what was the main reason the main reason was the pain inside in one of our in one of my um, personal workshops, which I was working with my mentor, I was becoming a public speaker. That was one week long, one year long um, process. And one of the first day meeting with 12 other individuals, he asked us to go one by one in front of the room and share something which was bothering us, which we were ashamed of, something someone did something to us or something we did to someone which we were hiding and shameful and didn't want to discuss so everybody went 
and my turn came and I shared a story which I never shared for about 35 years, not with my parents, not with my wife. It just came out. And as soon as I shared that story, uh, you know, it was like a big weight lifted from my shoulders. And I came home and I shared that story with my wife for the first time. By then we had two beautiful daughters. I believe they were about seven and 10 year old by then. And I felt important that I really need to share that story as a father and a husband. And that changed our personal lives, our relationship with each other. And that was the catalyst to, to me getting into ayahuasca too, because I wanted to really find out what happened when I was five-year-old, what happened to that five-year-old facile, that story, what, what played, I wanted to feel everything. I wanted to go and heal myself. So there I am in my first ayahuasca ceremony uh, in Canada. I found someone who was offering that. And that was within five days of actually searching the word ayahuasca. This is how synchronicity works. And I was there in the ceremony, didn't know anything like what actually is going to happen. I was really excited. And as you know, Nina, you know, first time you're just there, you know, you just want to take it. I take the medicine, I take the cup and I'm in it. So my, my idea or intention was to connect with that five-year-old vessel and get help from him to take me into that scene, into that event. So he showed up for sure. He came and there it is, five-year-old Fessel in the ceremony. And I'm like, hey, buddy, what's going on? Can you help me? Can you show me what happened to me, to us, to you when you were five-year-old? And he was there. He's like, are you sure? Do you want to go there? I'm like, yes, I'm sure. So he grabs my hand. And next scene is we jump into this, uh, you know, those water, uh, water park rides where there's a big tube and you go down and then eventually you fall into the clear water. So it was something similar, but that uh, tube was filled with little plastic balls like, like the place um, the, uh, where kids play, jump into those little balls. So we jump into that ball and we're going up and down. It's rainbow colors, different beautiful balls. And I'm like, wow, this is cool, man. We're going to a very nice place. And suddenly we drop into what felt like sludge. It was dark, it was underground, it was smelly, really bad place. Like I did not have a good feeling about that. I couldn't see anything. It felt, felt and smelled bad. So I asked Fessel, I'm like, what is this like? Where did you bring me? So he was standing there and he said, didn't you want me to show you and make you feel what I felt and where I was when I was five year old? I said, yes. So he, he said, this is exactly what I felt when I was five year old, when I got sexually molested by three older boys in the classroom. This is exactly what I felt. And this is exactly how it smelled. This is exactly how I was feeling constricted, couldn't run away. 
in a classroom with these three boys. And I was like, holy crap, man, this is, this is what happened. This is what kept me introvert for pretty much all my adult life before working with ayahuasca. And this is or was the cause of my own problems, own temper tantrums. This was a cause of me getting bullied for all my school years and even getting into arguments with my wife, not knowing what was triggering subconsciously. So that was my first journey. I connected with him. And after that, every journey, every ceremony with ayahuasca, with other plant medicine, my goal was to really connect with that five-year-old Faisal and make him happy, show him the joy, show him that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And that became my motto that, uh, and once I became a public speaker, my, um, my goal was to help other kids who might be in my shoes, in that five-year-old Faisal's shoes. And I was going into schools, delivering speeches about anti-bullying. My daughter at that time, she was 11. So we both, we authored a book called Seven Shore Fire Ways to Bullyproof Your Child. And also I had workshops in Canada for kids um, so they could stand up, they could have more confidence in their lives and also for parents, how to be conscious parents because that's what I missed in my life. And that's the reason I did not tell or that five-year-old Vessel did not tell his parents or anyone else because he did not feel safer. He, the only thing he felt was that he could be even beaten up if he shared that story because they might say it was your fault. Why were you there? Why didn't you defend yourself? So this is how that little Vessel kept that story inside and kept suffering, not till he met Ayahuasca and I started working with ayahuasca and other medicine, especially Wachuma, which is also known as San Pedro. And that was 10 years ago, I got on this path and I never left. It became so beautiful because it not only healed me, but also it gave me an opportunity to serve and give back to the people who are not necessarily going through what five-year-old Fessel went, but as we both know, each one of us, we have a story. It doesn't have to be the same story, but it is a similar story where there is some trauma, wound or suffering or pain involved. And that's how, um, you know, I started working on myself for a few years. I started learning about the medicine. I started importing the medicine, um, the plants from the jungle and making my own concoctions, different recipes, started learning basically uh, mostly myself, spirit taught, uh, not till I went to Peru about a couple of years ago and I uh, worked with my own masters. But in the meantime, I was working uh, with myself. I did, uh, I don't know, 50, 60 ceremonies in first year by myself without anybody even sitting not recommend it to the listeners. Don't do it at home. <laughs> so I was doing that. This is how I was. I have always been, you know, uh, very curious, inquisitive about, about other things, willing to jump in and feel. Doesn't matter if it, if it brings me the pain. I often call myself a human laboratory. Like I put myself to test first and then gave it to somebody else. 
So that was the story of how I got into that. And then what inspired from that was because I felt so much healing, so much potential in the plant medicine, um, it became evident to me that I want to serve this. I want to bring this to my people or audience or whoever wants to be on this path. I want this heal. I want to bring this healing to other people. And one day, about three years ago, we went on vacation to Costa Rica for one week. Um, a couple of our friends, they invited us. They moved to Costa Rica from Canada about six years ago. They left everything behind. They built their house and everything. And, and they were like, why don't you come and visit? And so we are like, okay, we go there for a week. No idea of buying anything. Forget about that. We were just there, you know, pure vacation. And long story short, uh, evening before our flight coming back to Canada, we shook hand with this man uh, and bought this land, about 11 acres in almost like jungle. And the idea was to build a center, N not having any intention before. <laughs> so we came back and from there, this idea came. And, um, and then we started going back and forth. Um, before we did anything on that land, we flew one of our mentors um, and master from Peru, and we did a, an offering ceremony. He brought some items from um, from Peru, special things to offer. And I used to build organites. So I built a very special organite, and we buried that in the land. And on top of that specific area is the Maloka, our ceremonial space. And when you come there, Nina, you will feel the energy. Everybody who steps in there, they, they, they feel that. And from there, it took us about a year to finish everything. So we have a um, fully functional wellness center who can host about 16 to 25 people, depending upon if they're single or couples. So we have cabins and casitas. We have professional kitchen and this uh, space on top of the mountain where there's only the maloka and the bathrooms, and it's a huge maloka. We can hold about 40 people in there in a ceremony. And we invite all other healers, other shamans, and myself, I also work with the medicines there. So there you have it. This is the story of how everything came together, and it's a blessing to be here. That's so awesome. And yeah, for everybody, we're going to share your website in the description, but it's uh, com, right? Yes, with R-E for center. R-E yeah. with the center, yeah. And uh, yeah, I checked out your website and, and it looks awesome, you know, the space. And, and, and I didn't know that you built it such a short amount of time. That's definitely a feast, you know, especially in a foreign country, right? Actually, so, 10 months, not a year, 10, 10 months. months. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, so so check out the center. What what kind of um, kind of retreats or programs uh, do you offer? Is it for groups? Is it for individuals? Is there is there a schedule? How do you work there? So during my process and during uh, building of the center, and while I was back and forth in Canada and doing my own uh, studies in psychology and um, becoming a hypnotherapist working with the neuro-linguistic programming and all the other bells and whistles, I developed this program called the Arbol Method. And as you know, in Spanish, Arbol is a tree. 
So that method is based upon working with the inner child because of my own healing. I found out over years that pretty much all the problems, the root cause of all the problems, it's is stemming from the this inner child. Something happened to that inner child. And it doesn't have to be a drastic event. It could be something small. It could be, I don't know, a, a friend of yours leaving who you really trusted, creating abandonment issues, things like that. So I created that program, which I combined with the plant medicine. So in my work, I'm combining modern science, psychology, quantum physics, with shamanic wisdom, with the plant medicine. And as you know, that's a very powerful combination and you are into the similar kind of work. So in the center, that retreat, the Arbol Method is one week long retreat. And I love to work with individual, like one-on-one, -on -one, two on one, or up to five people, maximum 10 people. Because my belief is that's the only way I can deliver 110% to each person. Because as you know, this is, this is a delicate process, especially when it comes to working with the psychology and integration and prep and all that process. I personally cannot do justice to 40, 50 people crammed in the center and in a ceremony. So that is one, um, one retreat I offer. Uh, that is my personal, the Arbol Method. And by the way, if somebody wants to check, that is thearbolmethod.com. And then also, like I mentioned earlier, we bring in other shamans. Of course, there are people who just want to do once one night ceremony or two ceremonies. Sometimes they don't have time or they don't want to get involved into or with their inner child. They don't want to go there yet. So we have other people who will come and they serve the medicine or sometimes I do serve the medicine. Again, one-on-one -on -one or two-on-one -on -one type of situations, one nights, two nights, three ceremonies. So it just depends on the need. But our vision is to stay in small ceremonies. That is what we offer. We also offer Cambo. We also are, offer, uh, we work with different modalities like uh, cold baths, uh, yoga, meditations. I'm big on uh, breathing. And that, as you know, is really, really important in any type of plant medicine ceremony. That's the only thing you remember when you are at the ceremony. So those, those type of things also cleanses. I'm big on cleanses. Again, a big part of doing plant medicine effectively is uh, cleansing your temple physically too. It's not just mental or spiritual. The biggest thing is your, uh, your body. Uh, so these are the offerings we have. Uh, sometimes other people, like people working with Bufo, they'll come. So we're into all types of different plant medicines. Awesome. That's so good to hear. Very exciting. So before, you know, if somebody contacts you and, and want to embark on their healing journey, do you do, you know, any prep with them before they actually go and do the retreat and go there in person? And, and once they finish, you know, the retreat or the program, do you do any follow-up, you know, and, and if so, like how long do you work with people like typically, and I mean people who want to go deeper, you know, in their journey? A great question. 
Unfortunately, in this day and age, a lot of people, especially people coming from Western societies, they do not have too much time, especially people who are working. So at the max, they'll have like two weeks vacation, you know. So in my work, especially in the Arbol, met, uh, the Arbol method, uh, it's not just one week in Costa Rica. It's one week starts about a month before. That is the prep work. This is where I lead people either in person if they are in Canada or, or Costa Rica, or if they cannot make it, we do it just like what we're doing it right now through the video. So I guide them through the prep process. For me, prep process is three steps. It's uh, physical, mental, and your spiritual. All these three bodies have to be prepped for any type of uh, effective plant medicine work. So we go, we go through that. We prep all these three aspects. And then the second phase is when you come there, one week there, and still we go through the prep, the previous prep. We go through that. Everybody understands that. And, and also the shamanic baths to cleanse your body from any type of energies if you brought there any negative or dark energies. So before I give a cup to anyone or I serve, I like to prep the person mentally, spiritually, and physically. And then you're there for a week. And that week is not just three ceremonies. It is also after each ceremony integration. There are different exercises in that program, in that method, which you go through. After each ceremony, we talk, we have closing circles. Um, and, and, and then during the day, we have uh, like guided meditations. I have specific guided meditations to connect with inner child, connect with your power animals, connect with your ancestors, and also connect, uh, go into the underworld where all the traumas or fears reside and making peace with them. So by the time you reach um, the Maloka to take the medicine, you have faced all these at a mental level. And once you get into the medicine, and of course, ayahuasca will bring all these things up, anything hiding in the psyche, but you're mentally prepared already. So this is way easier. So that is one week of work. And then after that, we're not done. I tell people, all my clients, I'm like, this is not about money. Of course, there is money involved, but it's not all about money. For me, our vision is to create relationships. It's not just another client came and one week is done and off you go, we're done. No, no. Um, all my previous clients, they are open to come connect with me by email or WhatsApp because after they leave, there's still a process. In the whole package, there's after this prep, the ceremonial work, and then aftercare. So we have some exercises, how to integrate when you go back into your busy life, when you go back into your city life, how to integrate what you saw in the plant medicine work. And that is more important for me. For me, I say, doing the plant medicine work, getting into the Maloka, taking the cup is only 20% of the work. 80% is when you go back home, when everything starts fading away, all the afterglow and everything else hits you. You go back into your friends, the same energy to your workplace and all the thoughts start coming back. That's when you start getting confused. What is real and what is not real? What is wrong and what is right? 
So that is the most important time. And I have that, uh, uh, have exercises and I still have the calls. There are a few calls which we make and see where that person is and what kind of help they need and, and how they can integrate back into their busy life. Thank you. Yeah, that is so important. And I think that's how we connected, you know, in the integration room <laughs> that I do on Clubhouse. By the way, check it out on Clubhouse Tuesdays. We have this ayahuasca preparation and integration room. <clears throat> and my club is called Healing and Awakening on Clubhouse. So a um, couple of things that I would like to, to, to talk about is, is one thing just to let people know that as, as they listen to your story that you have many tools you know that you just didn't just go to the medicine and then sit only with the medicine but you you learned you know as you said from NLP to hypnotherapy like lots of tools psychology transpersonal psychology breathwork yoga so I think you know one thing is is important to to understand that you know I think for me a plant the plant is a very powerful ally but we need other tools as well to kind of help ourselves on, on during the process and uh, it's it's not just you know I think a lot of people focus on just the plant and I'm gonna just sit with the plant and drink the plant and that's gonna just save me and heal me and do everything for me and I think I, I can relate to that because that's that's what what we learn in the West that if you have a problem you take a pill and you know or you go to a therapist who will listen to you and then you will you will feel good so you know one thing is that that to use different tools and to teach people how to use these tools as you described as well that you help them you give them these tools that they can learn you know different techniques different um you know from meditation to to whatever that will help them in their everyday life to to handle you know their situation to handle their journey to to process you know what comes up um after you know the deep dive with the medicine and um, and the other thing is that as you said 80 percent of the work happens afterwards and uh, i i totally agree with you what you said about that most of the trauma and the problems are created in childhood and even even you know i think going back uh, from perspective of rebirthing, that's that's one of my training, and and that's why they called it rebirthing because the deeper they went, everybody went back to the birth experience, you know, and what happened there, you know, coming into this world, that was the first kind of break or separation or or trauma, so to say, and and how we come into this world, you know, really imprints, you know, the, this basic pattern that that we keep perpetuating during our lives. So, um, you know, if, if you think about that, some, some people who come to the medicine, I mean, there are younger people as well, but I work with a lot of middle-aged people, and, and, and we, you were in a way like for 30 years, 40 years, like living with, a, with a, like a point of view, living with certain habits, behaviors, and now you want to dismantle that completely and do something different. That's not something that happens overnight or happens one week. And I think it's it's really important, you know, that that um, we we put out these messages so people understand and don't have this irrealistic expectation. Because I often hear from people, oh, I went to an ayahuasca ceremony, and it didn't work for me. 
you know <laughs> it's like nothing happened like I had an experience and then nothing happened you know I'm in the same place where I was in my life before and I so the medicine was you know, it's the medicine's fault you know the medicine didn't do the job so just to really understand that this is kind of a synergetic relationship and we need to work with the medicine you know the medicine will show us you know as you said where is the problem coming from what is the root of the problem where that separation that fragmentation happened why it happened um, and and all these like inner wounds you know will come up to the surface and then it's up to us to process that and and that takes some time especially you know with with um, serious trauma just as you described you know that that's something like uh, unfortunately I experienced as well and you know mo like most of the people that I, I know they had some severe trauma you know and that you either kind of suppress completely and you are like okay it wasn't so bad you know my childhood or or you just you know keep like kind of recreating the same situation and, and build on top of that and reinforcing that original event until as you said we come to that place of unbearable pain and we say like okay now I really need to do something about this so I really love what you said you know building relationships and 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 following people afterwards and giving them tools because you know even the plant is called a teacher plant not a healer plant and that's my experience with the plant too that she taught me you know how to do this process like how to navigate like how to surrender to the intensity how to be okay even in those difficult moments how to breathe into that you know instead of freezing or being paralyzed or resisting of what is and and uh, that's I think in in my work of the integration as well that's what that's what I aspire to do to teach people you know these attitudes these behaviors and these perspectives and these tools so they can help themselves when they face a difficult or a challenging situation because life is not gonna stop and probably there's gonna be more challenges you know just looking at the world there's plenty of challenges right now and 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 I think a lot of people do not feel empowered and equipped you know to deal with some some you know serious uh, challenges that they that arise in their life so just you know in terms of the integration in my program I do a year-long integration with people but this is specific I'm not saying you know everybody needs a year integration I really spe specialize on people with severe PTSD or chronic disease and you know that's my experience that it, it takes th that time because you work through those layers and if all the trauma would be released you know in one week you would probably go mad <laughs> you know you would go crazy you would be traumatized again it's just like so intense I know from my experience and you know stuff came up for me even years after working with the medicine you know and I was like totally shocked and I was like how is this that after so many healing and so so much medicine work and shamanic work and being on this path for so long I was not aware of this you know how how is never came up but it never came up because I needed to go through all the other stuff that was before that you know be before I could go to that that root problem and that root issue so just really reinforcing what you shared that this is not a quick fix you know and um, 
also you know the I think the amount of medicine that you drink is is not necessarily will make it easier or better for you actually I have kind of the, the the opposite experience that the more you drink and if you do not do any integration the worse you're gonna feel <laughs> because more and more stuff will just come up and be presented and bugging you you know without doing anything about it so what is what is your uh, perspective on how much medicine people should drink how often they should drink or you know what do you think about that Mm, great question. And I've been there like yourself in the beginning, like I said earlier, in the first two years, I think about, I did about 50 to 60 ceremonies by myself. And, and any plant medicine, I tell people, it can become an addiction. So don't think that ayahuasca or wachuma, it can't be an addiction. It can be. If you're doing it every other weekend or every or two times a month going back, that is an addiction. You know, you don't need that much. So I learned it the hard way. I think after, I don't know, 40th or 50th, I wasn't getting much. Like every ceremony, I wasn't seeing uh, a lot of fireworks and all the colors, and I wasn't getting a lot of insights. I was like, what's going on? So my intention for the next one was, I'm going to ask that. So I went in and I asked the medicine, okay, come on, what's going on? You're not showing me a lot of stuff and it's not exciting anymore. I'm not getting any insights. And the spirit of ayahuasca actually showed up and she was standing there and she was a little bit angry. I could see that on her face. And she's like, hmm, what have you done with the insights we have given you from the past, whatever, 40 ceremonies? Have you implemented all those in your life? Are you embodying those? And I started thinking, I'm like, oh, shit, no, I haven't, you know? So she was like, this is the reason. You need to implement a lot of stuff which we gave you, you know? Uh, even if you do 80% of that, that is still good. But you need to go back in there and use those insights instead of coming back, getting high, uh, you know, in a hope that you will get fixed. It's not me who you who is going to fix you. You're the one. I'm just giving you the points or hints, and you are the one who's going to do the work. So I came out. I'm like, oh, okay, this this makes sense. So this is what I tell people. I tell people it's like every ceremony is like a book you read. Let's say you're into the habit of reading self-empowerment books. You read a book, you're like, wow, there's lots of lessons. Wow, this is great. I got some quotes from this, beautiful. And then you don't do anything with them. You got really good insights. You, you understand there are a few things you need to change. And you're like, yeah, I'll do this. And by the time you finish the book, you put it on the shelf and you grab another book. So for me, the way I tell people is that book became a shelf help now, not a self help. So a ceremony is just like that. You can do 20 ceremonies in a month or in two months. If you don't do anything with it, nothing is gonna change. Actually, uh, you were explaining something similar earlier that it can get actually crazy. The more ceremonies you do, the more information you got from the plant medicine, and then you go back into your day-to-day -day life, and there the problems are still there. Maybe they're more now because your awareness is bigger now, but you haven't healed the trauma. 
So now you're all messed up, is everything is jumbled up in your brain and you start thinking, okay, maybe the next one will give me more clarity and you go back in there. So for me, the rule is, it depends on person. It also depends on how much work they have done prior to the plant medicine work, how much work they have done on their psyche, on their, again, mind, body, and soul, how much work they have done, how much can they absorb because everybody's different. Not everybody can absorb the same amount of insights from ayahuasca than the other person, you know? So the way I tell people is, it's good to start with one, two, or let's say three ceremonies, okay? Now, after that, take time off. Even when you think that, no, 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 I need to go back and do another one, the, the, the measuring point or the way is, you do journaling from all those ceremonies, the points, the things you need to change in your life to achieve whatever you want to achieve. Go back in there. If there are 20 things you need to do, or if there are 20 promises you made to yourself, you go back in there. Did I do this one? Okay, this one is done. Check, 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 check. Oh, there are five left. Okay, I'm going to wait. Go back in there. And then the best thing is, there are a few things, I don't know if we're going to get into that or not, They're the, the key, key things to do integration, everybody has different keys, but one of the keys for me is find a mentor, because our egos, everybody has an ego, we start thinking, I mean, I've, I've been there, after doing some medicine work, my ego started getting bigger, I'm like, I know everything, wow, this is cool, man, I don't need to go anywhere, you know, and then next ceremony, medicine will kick my ass, and no, you need a mentor, you need to go back. And then I'll go back to my mentor. I'm like, hey, listen, this thing came up and I don't know what it means. And of course, with someone who has more experience, they can tell you, oh, this is what it means. And then you implement that in your life. And this is what I did. So again, it's not about the numbers of ceremonies you do. It's about the quality and implementation of the insights, the teachings of the plant medicine. So some people, you know, they might only do two or three ceremonies a year. I'm at a stage now, after I got kicked around a few times, you know, <laughs> I learned the hard way. Now I don't have the urge. Well, one reason is because I sit and serve, so I do uh, microdose too. But to do a full-on ceremony for myself, I would probably do two or three in a year because I know there's so much stuff and you're probably at a stage too where when you're working with the clients, going through their um, traumas and sufferings and pains and solving them or giving them suggestions, you're already learning a lot from that too. So there's already so much stuff that I have to implement in my own life through plant medicine or through working with the clients, then I'm like, okay, I need more time. It's not about telling people, hey, I have done 200 ceremonies and in each ceremony. Also, there's another thing. In ceremony, people ask each other, especially the newcomers, how many cups did you drink? Oh, you didn't drink, drank two. I did four. Well, for me, if you drank four, that means you're more messed up than the one who drank only one cup, you know? So that there are two things, number of ceremonies and number of cups, yeah, the doses. 
So more is not necessarily uh, better. Actually, for me, it is less uh, dosage and, uh, and uh, less frequency or number of ceremonies. So that I, was I important totally. stuff. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, every, everybody is different, but I think one of the main teaching I received from the medicine that we are the medicine, you know, and, and um, we are the healers. And the, the biggest medicine for me is love, you know, probably um, we're going to talk about that a little bit, love and self-love and how that comes into healing. And um, you know, personally, my understanding through the medicine is that the kind of the, the if there is a goal, there is no goal, but if, if there is a goal that is like not to need medicine, <laughs> any kind of medicine or therapist or a practice so that, that you can be just present and navigate with your resources that you are, that you have. And certainly for me, I did drink a lot of medicine at the beginning, such as you, because I didn't understand this. I was like, I'm still not feeling good. I need more, <laughs> you know? And then it was just worse and worse. And it, it led me to a meltdown, to a dissolution of identity that was very scary, you know? And I did think at one point that I'm going to end up in a loony bin, you know, somewhere. And my father was right, and I did pay money for this, you know? And then, like, I must be insane. So, and... Um, you know, my, my story was, uh, I, I mean, everybody's story is unique, but the medicine asked me at the beginning not to work with other power plants or teacher plants. So I worked only with the ayahuasca for seven years. And after seven years, she told me to, to go with the grandfather now, which is the peyote. And, and then I, I went and I started to work with other plants. And the last two years, I, I didn't even sit in an ayahuasca ceremony. I work with other plants that kind of complement and, and, and assist me where I am right now. But more than that, I just feel connected to the spirit of the medicine. And I hope that it doesn't sound arrogant, but I feel that she's part of me. I feel that I can access her and ask for guidance and ask for healing, even if I'm not sitting in a ceremony and not drinking physically, you know, the medicine. So, um, you know, when, when I work with people, I ask them not to drink more medicine in the integration when they do it the first time so they can l really learn you know what does integration mean and really kind of take and it's a very empowering process for people because i think in the end it can be somewhat disempowering as you said when you rely on a plant it doesn't matter what you rely on but you rely on something external that you believe that you have no power you know to do the necessary things that you want to do and you need something to, to help you to do that. So when you consciously work with the integration and, and use your resources and your wisdom and put that into practice, I think it's a very empowering process for people. And I have people who only drank once, you know, and, and it had like a, an enormous change in their life because they were 100% into the implementation. And, and then they still keep applying all those wisdoms and guidelines that they received, you know, through, through the medicine and through their connection with the medicine. So 
I really resonate with that. And this is not, you know, to judge anybody who drinks fr frequently or anything like that. This is just, you know, offer people a different perspective so they can really tune into and feel into, you know, what resonates with them. And I think that at the end of the day is just taking back our power, you know, and, 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 and knowing that we are amazing beings and we are powerful beings and we can create that change. And uh, for me, it's about, you know, really about love as well and self-love and loving myself because I, I, I remember, you know, at the very beginning of my journey, not with the medicine, even just with psychology, where I come from, I was, you know, I hated myself. You know, I really, I had the most destructive relationship with myself. And yeah, that was based in trauma and all that, but that, that doesn't matter. You know, that was my primary relationship is with myself. And that was a super self-destructive relationship because it was, was rooted in this deep, you know, hatred towards myself and feeling of undeserving and unworthiness. So. For me, it's really kind of like a lifetime journey to, to come back to that state of love and to understand what love is. And I still, up until today, I, I don't think I fully understand. I think I have maybe glimpses of it and, and I have maybe a more e expansive understanding, but I don't think I, I fully know what that divine love is, you know. There's a lot of things that we call love that is, I, I don't think it's really love. It's more like attachment or <laughs> addiction or something like that but you know I think you know that's something a teacher told me one time that love is all-inclusive and uh, I'm not there yet but th my practice is to expand my container of love you know um, towards me towards other people more and more every day so um, yeah this is this is where I am with that um, something that I wanted to to ask two things before we close for today and uh, I think we have to do another episode where we dive more deeper into the integration and the specific tools and, and bring some examples so people can better understand. So uh, one thing is about the integrity of a, of, of a healer because this plant medicine world, as you said, when people are in their ayahuasca afterglow and there is that clarity and their understanding and that high and it's like, oh, I figured everything out, I know what to do, this is my purpose, now I'm going to go out and help other people to do the same thing. And uh, so I find that, <coughs> you know, a lot of people set out with a good intention of helping others when they haven't fully like learned how to help themselves so and and they end up serving the medicine or doing becoming some kind of integration coach just because you know they participated in a couple of ceremonies and 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 now that's what they feel you know that they are equipped to do that so what does that mean to you like to be in integrity as a healer and and how does it how does that that um, shows in your practice in your work like how would you describe that see i was in peru with my master um, learning about ayahuasca and i asked him what is the biggest thing you can teach me um, when i work with the plant medicine and he said there are many other things but the top priority is your need of this physical attraction 
to the people who come and step into the maloka or in the ceremonial space where you are the in charge, the lust, the physical attraction to other, other people. That would be the biggest thing, you know, or the biggest hurdle and all the coaches and mentors, especially in one-on-one -on -one kind of setting, they go through that. It's not only the shamans. And I was like, okay. And of course, obviously it was going to happen, especially when you are, you know, serving and you have that power uh, to kind of, implant thoughts in other people because that can happen and a lot of people a lot of facilitators they do that because once someone is very you know gullible and not in their right frame of mind for the lack of a better word they are in that state you can change their minds or change change their thoughts and you can implant a lot of stuff good or bad and there are few people who do that so that's the thing i had to learn and i'm glad my master told me um, so i had to learn how to draw that invisible boundary the wall where i hold myself in my integrity and also at the same time i'm able to serve my client male or female without that need of a connection between physical bodies or lust. So that was the biggest thing. And I, I believe that's the biggest test for any mentor or guide. It tests everyone. Doesn't matter if the mentor is female or male, it tests everyone. Doesn't matter if you're married or single, doesn't matter how happy you are with your marriage or with your partner, at some point it will arise. And also for me, that is a test by the plant medicine. You know, that's a different perspective. Plant medicine also tests you at every level, mental, spiritual, and uh, physical. It will test you. Is this person really equipped to handle this? Is this person really equipped to do this work in integrity, the way plant medicine wants? Or is this person in this work to, um, to get financial gain or sexual gain, you know? So that was, uh, that was the biggest thing for me. And I shared it, I don't know if on, on your clubhouse uh, talk or not, there are a few things uh, people can do. One thing is of course, you, you create these uh, invisible walls or boundaries between you and your clients. So nothing penetrates and you are in your energy field and they are in their energy field. You're not corrupting their field and they are not influencing your energy field. But also there are some things. One thing I implement is I always do a ceremony with at least one female helper. Usually we have three or four people helping. So there's male and female. So it, it's a mix. So if there is something about to happen, there are people who are watching. And I instruct all my um, helpers, um, especially the closed ones, 
I give them my full power or authority if they see something happen. If I am in a space, because as you know, when you're working with plant medicine, you could get into this place where the boundaries are convoluted and, and there you, you don't see yourself separate from other person, right? So I have that, uh, I have given that authority to my helpers that if you see that, jump in, help me out, help that person. Some, sometimes it could be the client who is in this glow state and who's not in control of their thoughts or, or their actions. So they might do something which is not ethical. So they can jump in. Or if there is something <clears throat> I'm about to do or visible from my, um, you know, uh, from my physique or my actions, jump in. You have the full authority because it's not just about me sitting there facilitating. We're sitting there as a community, as a group, and all my helpers are helping me to make sure the ceremony is done ethically with full 100% attention and safety. Never, nothing has ever happened, but you know, <laughs> this is what I implemented in my, uh, in my ceremonies, in, in my work. And, um, and I am, you know, through my own personal work with the energy and with NLP and with hypnotherapy, I know myself, I know my boundaries. I know that I'm really happy with my wife and with my daughters. And I know what my needs are. And I do not need another physical body to be happy uh, and, and have more joy. That is not ethical for me. So those are the few things I do. It's, it's a personal work. Like every healer, every mentor, every guide, every shaman, you know, we have our own dark sides, our own little dark corners. And it's all about working with them in order to have a, have a safe ceremony where, uh, where you're 100% present ethically. Thank you for, for sharing that. And I think, you know, just to say to our audience that I think one way that they can gauge, you know, the integrity of the people is that, that who is talking about and who is not, you know? So people, like we obviously talking about the shadow side and, and, and we are talking about these things and that means we are aware, you know, and we pay attention also, I think we are doing our own internal work, which is a continuous work. We have our own mentors, our own check, checkup system, you know, I think it's, it's, it gets dangerous when people get to that point of kind of ego that I know everything and I have nothing else to work on and I don't need any kind of help or oversight or, advice or checkpoints, you know, because I'm perfect, you know, and that can be a dangerous place to be in. And, and as you said, you know, even in the Native American medicine real, the first three altars is like kind of money, sex and power, you know, I think you, you, you work through, you, we all need to work through those attachments and desires and traumas and all of these things that are you know, keeping us in bondage in some way in, in those uh, spaces, you know, in order to come into the altar of the heart 
and and to 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 go beyond that and and to look you know with a different eye and i think for me that's the whole purpose of healing is to to be happy you know or any kind of spiritual path and and for me to be happy is to to be loving you know to be able to give and receive love you know and i think most people probably would agree with that because that's that's what that's what we all want you know and we hope to get it through different ways and means but that's kind of the ultimate goal and for me really the medicine helped me to kind of uh, learn about that love first and foremost because as I said I, I, I didn't know what love was I, I thought you know it's kind of you know when your parents hit you and they say that oh this is from love this is for your own good like you you think that's love and and you know I think we all have kind of a little bit fucked up ideas at the beginning of what love is so first of first of all to to have just a, a better understanding of what love is and what is not love and then how to love myself you know how to come from that self-hatred and self-punishment and self-sacrifice into a place where i can be more loving towards myself and more kind and more compassionate and and, and the more i can do that i can automatically do that towards others and um, so in my life that was the biggest shift you know that that i i thank you know the medicine for and the guidance of the plants is to 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 move from this place of of fear and hatred towards that place of love and to keep moving you know into that direction and to lose that fear that was so wired into me because of the traumas and the experiences that 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 was kind of for me a natural state of being that fear that anxiety and and uh, to come to a, a, a place of more peace you know so I feel more peaceful and my relationships changed dramatically you know I, I as you you mentioned conflict that's how I could describe that I just had constant conflict with people and fighting and and and, and it was just a um, really like a, a mirror to what was going on inside of me and <coughs> and that conflict and, and that continuous war that I was waging with myself and probably I still do with some level <laughs> uh, so you know to to come from that place of, of fear into a place of love and 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 peace you know inner peace and no matter what's happening around me I'm able to to kind of stay anchored in that space and navigate from that space and and look you know from that space so and and how it shows up in my life is just more tranquility <laughs> more I'm more relaxed like I'm I'm have better relationships like less conflict or almost no conflict like at this point I do still have sometimes conflicts because life is life but you know definitely nothing that it used to be and and that feeling of peacefulness and and trust and 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 sense of empowerment compared to you know that place of fear and feeling powerless and feeling victimized and feeling lost you know and 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 scared and then 
from that place, you know, just lashing out and <laughs> attacking, you know, others. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's how I could describe, like, uh, how was it in your life, you know, what do you, what can you say to people that thanks to this dedicated work that, and walking this path for yourself, what are the biggest changes in your life that, that you can observe? Mm. Well, something uh, similar to what uh, what came to you, and that is, uh, before working with the plant medicine, I was, you know, running around doing fifteen things at a time, fifteen different projects at a time, working in three different businesses, you know, working on the car, working on the house, anything I could find, and that was because I was hiding from or running away from myself, you know, I didn't want to look inside. So that was my uh, coping mechanism and uh, being very short tempered um, in my answers, I couldn't wait too, too long. If somebody said something which I felt that it was against me or a little jab, I'll come right back. Like, like in my mind was like, well, why this person said that or how did they say that? Even if the intention was good, I would be just like, I need to say my part. And most of the times, as you know, when we come out with a quick answer, uh, it's not the right answer. It's, it's coming from here because of all the chemicals that shot up there and you just want to have a revenge now. So after working with the plant medicine, life kind of slowed down in a good way. You know, I started looking at things in a different way. Um, I started looking at people in a different way. When I'm in a conversation and when somebody's saying something, even it might be against me or it might be against my beliefs, I'm automatically going behind and finding why they're saying what they're saying right now. So I have more empathy. I have more compassion. I'm, I'm working on feeling them. Okay, why their anger, why, from where their anger is arising from? Let me figure that out. So I get excited about that instead of getting angry that this person said something to me. So my, for me, it's like Sherlock Holmes now. Like I'm trying to figure out oh, what's, what's, what happened, why this thing came up, even if somebody posted something, right? So I'm figuring it out. I'm intrigued by why would somebody say something like this about me or about someone I love? What is happening? Let me figure that out because that empowers me. That makes me even better in my teachings. So anything bad happens before I was like, oh, why did this thing happened to me? You know? Now I'm like, oh, what is the lesson? Let's, let's go there. Of course, in the beginning for first 10 minutes, I would get angry, you know, I'll be like, oh man, why, what, what, what? And then I'm like, hmm, Fessel, let's see. What's the actual cause, actual reason? Why did it happen? Let's get excited about it. And as you know, of course, there's always a reason. Even in the bad stuff, even in the dark side, even in the dark corners, negative energies, there is a lesson. I always tell people, I am who I am because of what happened to me doesn't matter over the years I got bullied molested all those things I was introvert that was a process for me to be who I am now so I can help other people who are 
or were in my shoes. So for me, working with plant medicine, I have like my thinking has broadened, deepened, and also kind of slowed down. You know, I take more time. I think more here. I use two ears because that there's a reason. We're given two ears and only one mouth. So we listen more <laughs> and speak less. So this is what, what my practice came. Uh, you know, again, more empty, less judgmental about other people. Before I was like, oh, why is he doing this? Or why is she saying this? You know, why they can't stop drinking or, or you know, all the other habits, which I did not like in my opinion. So I was more opinionated, opinionated. So now I'm not. Now I'm like, there must be a reason. Let's have empathy. See how I can help that person. But before anything else, how can I help myself? If this thought came up about judgment or opinion came about someone, where is it coming from? What part of me I have not healed? Because everybody else is a mirror of me, as you know. So how can I fix myself first and then come up with something which will help the other person instead of creating a bigger argument. So that was the biggest thing for me. And there are many other things, as you know. <laughs> yes, that's so beautiful. This always comes up, you know, everybody who I talk to who went through these kind of processes, this fundamental shift in perception of from why this is happening to me to what can I learn from this experience. And I think that's, that's really major, like looking at life in a certain way, you know, that so determines our experience, how we look at it. And I think what you said that working with our own shadows and, 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 and uh, bringing that love and that acceptance and that healing to, to our dark parts helps us, you know, with that empathy and compassion to see that in others and not to take things so personally. And as you said, if somebody is lashing out to me instead of reacting, you know, and attacking back, you know, I can perceive, not all the time, but most of the times that that person is in pain because I know that I did the same thing when I was in pain, you know, and, and I had this really interesting experience couple of years ago when I was going through a really difficult time and I was in bed literally just kind of suffering and and somebody in front of my house was um, they have these little cans like for sodas and beer and stuff and they were smashing the cans you know stepping on the, on the on the concrete and it gave this sound that was so aggravating for me and so disturbing and I went outside and I opened the door and I was like, you cannot do this here, you have to go away, you're disturbing me. And it was a woman, like a Mexican woman, with two little children. And they did leave and I came back and immediately, you know, I had this like overwhelming sense of guilt, you know, coming over me because I know that these people collect that because they can bring it to a place where they get money for it and they are so poor that they need that money to buy food and this was a woman with two small kids doing that and it's just so not my character you know do something like this but 
So I was just starting beating myself up. How could I do that, you know, to somebody? And then, you know, I went in my process to that place, what can I learn from this experience? And I could clearly see that was such a pivotal moment for me to understand that when you are in pain, you just lash out. You, you cannot be considerate to others. You cannot be loving towards other person. You know, like you, you, do, you really do not care because you are in so much pain, you are in so much suffering and everything is aggravating for you and you're just kind of lashing out. And, and that event, you know, really stick with me for a long time. And, and when somebody lashing out to me, I try to remember that. I try to remember that, that, that they are in a deep pain and that's, that's the best that they can do in that moment. And it's not personal as what I did was not personal to that person and I didn't want to hurt them or anything. It was just that's all I could do in that moment. So um, I really resonate with, with all that you shared. And I think just for, to, to finish for today and we're definitely going to come back with more um, juicy details about the medicine and the integration is just uh, if you can share what is your definition of love or how do you understand at this point what love is well as you um, were talking about love earlier and i think you had the similar kind of idea it's, it's really hard to explain what mm -hmm. love is or understand like I don't believe there's one definition of love out there. The general definition, actually, there is not even a general definition. It's just an idea what love is. So for me now, what love is, first of all, love is not just towards or from a person. For me, it could be a thing. It could be the phone I'm talking from because I love it. It could be my wife. It could be my uh, my brothers, my friends. I say to them all the time, like my um, brothers, a couple of them um, who are on the same path. We always tell each other, I love you. I love you. And it's not like I have to say love you only to a female or my partner or my wife. So again, it's really hard. So for me, what comes to mind is Anything or any person who creates a feeling of happiness and joy in me, that brings me that word, that love. For example, this phone. I love this phone because I can go, I, I'm talking to you, I can see you right now, thousands of miles away, and I can go on the, uh, on the social media and I can listen to people, I can talk to people, I can order stuff from Amazon. So I love this. Why I love this? Because it is giving me that happiness, like talking to you give me happiness and joy and ordering something from Amazon give me the joy. So I love this. My wife, I love my wife. Why? Before it used to be, because I'm supposed to say that, I love you. You know, it was automatic. I love you. She says, I love you. But, you know, there's no depth to it. Now it is, I love her because she brings me the happiness and joy to my heart. I love my inner child. Before I didn't, I was always ashamed. 
I don't know if you have been there mostly, even all my clients do. I always tell them there's one, um, one teaching I do or technique. Before we start this, the Arbor Method, I ask them to find a picture, an old picture when they were like five-year-old, 10-year-old, whatever they can find. It could be a black and white picture and look at it and keep it with them all the time. I still keep on the back of this phone I'm talking to, there's a picture of me when I was seven year old. So I keep it all the time with me so I can look at him during the day. Or, or, or on the, I used to have it on my desktop, like the background, it would be the picture. In our old house, uh, my wife and myself, we had eight by 10 pictures blown up, same old pictures in, under the TV on the shelf. So we can look at them all the time. Before starting this, I could not look at my picture because I was ashamed of it. And most of the clients I asked them, they're like, oh, no, 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 I don't, I don't, I can't find the picture. I don't like my picture. I had these kind of weird hair or the buck teeth or the big ears, or I was wearing glasses or whatnot. I cannot. Usually that is just an excuse. The problem is some type of shame or trauma associated with that face. So in the beginning, that face did not give me happiness or joy. So I was shying away from that. I did not love that. But once I started working the inner child, the, my personal work, I loved that face. It took me a while to create that bond. So now I love that. So what is love? It's the feeling of joy and happiness that five-year-old or seven or 10-year-old Faisal gives me when I look at him, the physical picture or when I meditate and connect with him. Um, it could be motorcycle for somebody. It's a Ferrari they bought. So for me, it's the, the love is the feeling of joy and happiness received from anything. And for me, that is receiving, but also how can I love someone else now? Same thing. My goal is to provide happiness and joy, do the things which will bring this to my wife, to my daughters, to my friends, to my clients even. What can I do to bring those feelings in that person? As soon as that feeling is created or feelings are created, that person can feel that. And most of the time, they will be the first one to say, hey, I love you, brother. I love you, man. I love you. And that's when I know, okay, I have done something, you know, <laughs> which created that love. And automatically I reciprocate that. I love that person. So love for me, it has changed before it used to be, it is only my wife or it is only for the husband or, or your kids. No, it could be anything. It's like soulmates. There are many soulmates in your life. It's not one soulmate. Every soulmate has a different purpose. You know? So there you go. We can get more deeper into it. I love that. I'm definitely going to dig up a picture about me as a child. I, I, it, will change, I really... it will change your life. Trust yeah, me. I resonate with that. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being here today.
and uh, yeah check uh, for the audience like check out the description we're gonna give you all your details and websites ruhaniwellnesscenter.com thearbalmethod.com and anything else you would like to share you can find both of us on clubhouse do you have a club now Fasen? yes i created the club it is called psychology in shamanism awesome psychology so, and shamanism. i'm gonna have you there too we're gonna talk about how we can combine shamanism all the indigenous wisdom and techniques with the modern psychology science quantum physics how we can bridge the gap i love that definitely up for that yeah so check check us out on clubhouse we have uh we're gonna have mm, i think 27th of october on clubhouse uh, the, the dark side of plant medicine when we go deeper into the integrity of the healer and what to watch out for and what to, to understand you know when you are choosing you know where you are going to do this work and who who you are asking for assistance and guidance uh, so please come for that if you are interested and also um, I have an ongoing workshop called healing the mother wound and that's kind of once a month once every couple of weeks and the topic for this month is next Saturday the 16th of October is healing sexual trauma unfortunately unfortunately a lot of people you know experience something like this so we're gonna dive into th that and and bring you know the group dynamic to to assist us you know to to bring healing to those places and uh, yeah sign up please subscribe to my youtube channel healing and awakening with nina itzel and like this podcast share this podcast and uh, hope that see you next time and we definitely gonna be back to talk more with Faso. so thank you brother so nice to have you thank you very much sister for creating this container and i urge all the listeners all the viewers uh, what nina said follow us and it's not just about following us because we want more business you know it's when you follow and learn this information or hear to this wisdom you go and you give it to other people you inspire other people and that's the job of every person it's not just absorbing the information it's following those people listening to more wisdom and then give it away to other people this is how we change this is how we create <clears throat> communities and especially in this um, plant medicine community we need that like we are people just like you who might just be a few steps ahead of you in this realm you might be ahead of us in other things so we need help like nina needs help i need help so more people can hear this information if you if you like what we said so thank you very much again for having me here and thank you for listening to me and watching yeah thank you all who are listening and remember that you are the healer and love is the medicine so see you all next time